church, and I'm going to invite you as children of Mr. Junior Church. You may turn in your Bibles. You get the privilege of turning in your Bibles to Psalm 42 and 43. Psalm 42 and 43. I preached on Psalm 42 and 43 as my candidate message here, and I'm sure you all remember the exact sermon, so I'll make sure it's totally different today. Um, This passage, Psalm 42 and 43, is about how do we cope with discouragement? How do we deal with discouragement? Do we deal with discouragement? I'm sure you would agree with me that we only deal with discouragement before we're saved, right? Craig's nodding in agreement. Once you're saved, if you're discouraged, you are not really saved. No, of course we still deal with discouragement. We still deal with the troubles of life. We still deal with difficulties. And we need the Lord's help. And we can learn from David in the Psalms and from other Psalm writers. We're not really sure David wrote this Psalm about how to cope with discouragement. This was, you know, I'm in this series about difficult times. And this week is discouragement. Next week is depression. How do we deal with difficult times? These are questions that you submitted. My theme today is we cope with discouragement by looking to God for help. We cope with discouragement by looking to God for help. And I don't mean to make that too simplistic. It's not always simplistic. Because our thinking patterns are very, 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 very complex. And studies show that our thinking patterns even build literal tracks in your brain. So if we're thinking the wrong stinking thinking, thinkings, <laughs> stinking meditations, something will come up again, a sight, a sound, a word, a song, whatever it might be, random, and we go in that track. I once heard Chuck Swindoll give an illustration of driving into Alaska, and it was winter. Who would drive into Alaska in the winter has got to be crazy. Anyways, I would love to go there in the winter. I'm just kidding. And there was a sign as you're driving on the snow-filled road that said, choose your rut. You're going to be in it a long time. (laughs) You know, the ruts in the road. Well, that's what happens in our brain and our thinking. So even though I say we cope with discouragement by looking to God for help. I understand this is our goal. This is what we have to do to continue to reorient our thinking to the Lord. Reorient our thinking to the Lord. That doesn't make it always simple. That's why we need the body of Christ. That's why we need prayer partners and and small groups. That's why we need journaling and spiritual disciplines and counselors and others. And God uses all these people and certainly his word and spiritual disciplines to guide us and help us and support us. By the way, if, you're, if you don't have a Bible with you and you don't know how to use your smartphone or maybe you don't have a smartphone and you want to follow the Pew Bible, it's on page uh, 439, 439 as you turn there to Psalm 42. In a month or a little less than a month, we're going to be talking about how to deal with low self-esteem. And in the same way, I think all of these things are some way, shape, form, reorienting ourselves to the Lord. That, again, I just cannot emphasize enough that doesn't always make it easy. So we cope with discouragement by looking to God for help, reorienting ourselves in the Lord. Uh, Discouragement, the word discouragement, discouragement comes from the root word courage. 
courage. The prefix dis means the opposite of. Therefore, discouragement is the opposite of courage, the opposite of courage. Those discouraged need encouraged, right? Those discouraged need encouraged, and we all need encouraged day in, day out. Do you ever think about it in the morning? Get up, and you think, how can I be an encourager today? How can I encourage someone today? John Stone Street leads the Colson Center. When Chuck Colson, when Chuck Colson went home to be in heaven about ten and a half years ago, John Stone Street took over, and he was traveling. He travels a lot, uh, representing the Colson Center for Biblical Worldview, and 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 he gets in an Uber, and the Uber driver uh, makes sure everything's okay for him, and then says, "How are you going to impact the world for good today?" And and he's like, "Wow, that's awesome. This guy's asking me this, and." How are we going to get up in the morning and think, I want to encourage someone today? Those discouraged need encouraged. Some of us here today probably need encouraged. Maybe we wouldn't admit it. Maybe we're in denial ourselves, but we need encouraged. And we all need encouraged from day to day. So I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you. Learn from the psalmist. And then after we look at Psalms 42 and 43, I'm going to give some more general applications. Psalm 42, while you're cast down on my soul, we're going to read these. Uh, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You ever think that way? When can I come and meet be- with God? Did you ever think as a deer pants for flowing streams? Now, I've never really seen a deer pant for flowing streams. I've seen them jump in front of cars and in runners. I was jogging this morning, and I'm down Indian Trail by Poland Woods, and look up, and all of a sudden there's a deer. They're not afraid of people in Poland. But we all know the image of panting for water, thirsting for water, being so thirsty, probably. And that's this description of a thirst for God, an insatiable thirst for God. When shall I come and appear before God? Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? This person is in turmoil. His tears have been his food. Maybe some of us have been there where it feels like our tears are our food and we're asking, where's God? Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng. He's thinking, he's thinking of the past, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. He's journaling. He's thinking about the past. I used to lead the procession to the house of God. Verse 5, he's talking to himself. Talking to ourselves is encouraged. We're going to come back to this. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? There's some type of oppression 
And he's talking to himself when he's talking to the Lord. But, but even as he says to God, it says, I say to God, my rock. God is his rock. He's acknowledging that God is his strength, his fortress, his strong tower, his refuge, his rock. But then he's acknowledging how he feels. Why, 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 why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because the oppression of the enemy. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Verse 11 is a repeat. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. He's talking to himself. He's reminding himself of truth. And we're going to read that again in Psalm 43. These Psalms seem to go together. So look at Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. Wow. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your, to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the liar. O oh God, my God. Third time, verse 5 is repeated. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. We cope with discouragement by looking to God for help. That does not mean that we only cope with discouragement by looking to God for help. It's just the first, most important thing. And then God may choose you to use other means of help as well. Maybe we do need physiological help, medical help. I'm not denying that. But first and foremost, we look to God for help. I want to talk about these psalms and how the psalmist responded to discouragement. I've already shared some of my thoughts because I just couldn't, I couldn't help but, but to already share some. First in Psalm 42, we see a longing expressed as thirst. In verses 1 through 5, we see a longing expressed as thirst. As a deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul thirsts for God. A longing expressed as thirst. Uh, by the way, many think David wrote this. Others think it is just the sons of Korah. Korah was a Levite who led a rebellion. A Levite was one of the Jewish tribes, and he led a rebellion against Moses in Numbers chapter 16. He was killed, but his descendants remained faithful to God and continued to serve God in the temple. Uh, David appointed men from the clan of Korah to serve as choir leaders. And uh, we see that in 1 Chronicles 6, verses 31 through 38. And they continued to be temple musicians for hundreds of years, as we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18 through 19. I'm sure most of you remember that because that part was in my previous sermon on Psalm 42, five and a half years ago. So I'm just reminding you, I'm sure you already were waiting for me to say that part. Um, so here we are, the writer of the psalm is facing trials. It seems to have been on the run. And in verse five, we see him longing for God. This is an awesome example of journaling. Give yourself permission to write out your thoughts to God. He compares his longing for God to being thirsty. His tears have been his food, either literally or figuratively. He used to, he used to lead the procession to the temple. Regardless, regardless, he clings to God. He clings to hope in God. We see in verse 5, this is, this is repeated three times. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? 
Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Next, we see his longing expressed in discouragement. Verses 6 through 11 are longing expressed in discouragement. What satisfies us during difficult times? Some people stress eat. But it seems like this psalmist goes to God. He goes to God. Can we stand strong in our faith in difficult times? The psalmist is talking to himself, and there's a lesson here, and that is repeated again in verse 11, second time. Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. It seems like he wanted to keep reminding himself hope in God. He wanted to keep reminding himself, though he asked, why are you cast down on my soul? He reminded himself to hope in God. Psalm 43, verses 1 through 5, we see his longing expressed in prayer. The psalmist responds in prayer. It's okay to talk honestly to God. I don't know about you, but Psalm 43, verse 1, seems pretty honest to God to me. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. He's honest. Lord, this is what's going on. Lord, you know what's going on. Vindicate me. I'm discouraged. I'm discouraged. I need encouragement. Lord, help me. Lord, vindicate me. Lord, defend my cause against an ungodly people. But look at verse 2. The psalmist trusts in God, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He's asking for the Lord to vindicate him, and then he comes back. You are the God in whom I take refuge. He's discouraged. He wants support. He needs support. He needs help. He's crying out to God. And and we see his mix, this dichotomy of his emotions, where his emotions are crying out, vindicate me. Why? Why do I feel left alone? Why don't I feel your presence anymore? But he continues to remind himself, you're the God in whom I take refuge. You're my hope. He prays to the Lord about how he feels. He feels rejected. The psalmist makes a request in verse 3. The psalmist reminds himself in verse 5. In verse 5, the psalmist reminds himself again to hope in God. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Third time, the psalmist reminds himself where he gets his salvation. And I think that is a number one scriptural example of how to turn to God when we need encouraged, when we are discouraged. Again, God will use other things. His word's full of all kinds of methods of help. If one suffers, we all suffer. If one hurts, we all hurt. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. Look at Acts 2, 42 through 47 and see the model church. Proverbs 27, 17 is iron term is iron, so one sharp another. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 about how, uh, how a cord of three strands is not easily broken. We see many, many other ways in Scripture, ways to be encouraged and ways the church is to be the church. But right here we see an example of going to God for help. The psalmist reminds himself where he gets his salvation. I want to look at some more practical ways for support and for help, and some of these are right from this scripture, some are not. We need to be like the psalmist in Psalms 42 and 43 and look to God. We need to reorient ourselves to God. It's so natural to look away. 
It's so natural to look at the problem. It's so natural to forget how amazing and mighty and, and awesome our God is. Look to God. We need to go to God like the psalmist in Psalms 42 and 43. We need to talk to ourselves as it appears that the psalmist did in Psalms 42 and 43. Oftentimes that is expressed through journaling. And there are so many resources, so many um, counseling resources and psychological resources that talk about the power and help of journaling. We write ourselves clear. And there's an amazing link from the head as our, we think to the, to the pen as we write. And, and one of the key helps of journaling is it's a time of thinking. And how often do we sit and deal with our thoughts? But the thing is, we don't want to deal with our thoughts randomly. We want to reorient them as we journal towards God. I was in a counseling class in seminary at Asbury Theological Seminary, and Dr. Stratton, my professor, said he was talking about silence, and we're bombarded with noise all the time, right? Music, songs, everything. And he said he was driving a student home one day, and he gets in the car, and the student turns the radio on. And Dr. Stratton says, uh, let's leave the radio off. I'd just like some silence for a moment. And the student says, okay. And a few minutes later, try, can I turn the radio on now? And the student and the professor, Dr. Stratton, says, no, I, I'd still rather it off for some silence. And the student reaches down and turns it on anyways. And Dr. Stratton says, you really can't deal with silence, can you? He said, no. The journaling allows that meditative time. We need to remind ourselves that we can hope in God, as we see in verse 5 and 11 in Psalm 43, 5. We need to remind ourselves of truth. We need, we need to use reason with ourselves. That's what this psalmist is doing as he, as, he, as he writes this psalm. He's using reason to reorient himself towards the Lord. We need to refocus ourselves. We need to long for God, as we see the psalmist does in Psalm 42 and 43. Do we long for God to begin with? Do we honestly long for God? It's a question that needs asked and applied and prayed about. Is God our total, complete longing? I think most of us, if we're totally honest with ourselves, probably not for five seconds. We have so many other distractions. And there we need to reorient ourselves. Lord, be my longing, be my hope, be my support. Journal, I mentioned that. Pray with other believers. Hey, when you're discouraged, we need small groups. That's part of my vision that we get more small groups going here. We need close relationships at the church. We can call and we can honestly call and say or text, can I pray with you? I need somebody to pray with me. I'm discouraged. I need encouraged. Can we be that church? We can be close as a family and people can feel comfortable being transparent. Meditate on scripture. There's nothing better to meditate on than the scriptures. Meditate on the promises of God. Remember Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Be realistic. When you're discouraged, be realistic. Understand that discouragement is a part of life and often is a result of things or events that are out of our control. Part of the reorientation is remembering not to blame yourselves. A lot of times we're discouraged because of things that are out of our control. And they're normal. They are natural. 
Give discouragement to God. When we have confidence in him, we gain confidence in ourselves. God sees events before we do. Get on your knees, get out a prayer journal, and give discouragement to God. Rethink goals. Maybe we're discouraged because our goals are too big. Maybe we think in one year, we're gonna do 10 million things that you can't do. Rethink your goals. Maybe they need to change. Get rid of what ifs. One writes, stop considering what might have been. This type of thinking will only bring defeat. Get rid of what ifs. Don't focus or don't focus too much on feelings. My favorite pastor, author, or close to favorite, Chuck Smendall writes, he says, let me be downright practical and tell you what I do. First, I remind myself early in the morning and on several occasions during the day, God, you are at work and you are in control. And Lord God, you know this is happening. You were there at the beginning and you will bring everything that occurs to a conclusion that results in your greater glory in the end. Do we ever do that? Remind ourselves throughout the day. Pray, God, you're in control. You knew this would happen. Surprise to me, but not to God. God, you were there in the beginning. You're going to be there in the end. Swindoll continues, and then, then and only then, I relax. From that position on, it really doesn't matter all that much what happens. It is in God's hand. It is in God's hands. Swindoll continues, I love the story of the man who had fretted for 15 years over his work. He had built his business from nothing into a rather sizable operation. In fact, he had a large plant that covered several acres. With growth and success, however, came ever-increasing demands. Each new day brought a whole new list of responsibilities. Weary of the worry, the stress, and the fear, he finally decided to give it all over to God. With a smile of quiet contentment, he prayed, Lord God, the business is yours. All the worry, the stress, and the fears I release to you in your sovereign will. From this day forward, Lord, you own this business. Finally, he had peace. He gave it to the Lord. It was the Lord's to begin with, but now he recognized it was the Lord's. In the middle of the night, the shrill ring of the phone awoke the man. The caller in a panicked voice yelled, fire! The entire place is going up in smoke. The man calmly dressed. Notice that. He calmly dressed. The business is the Lord's. Why fret? He calmly dressed. He got in his car and he drove to the plant with his hands in his pockets. He stood there and watched, smiling slightly. One of his employees hurried to his side and said, what in the world are you smiling about? How, how can you be so calm? Everything's on fire. The man answered, yesterday afternoon, I gave this business to God. I told him it was his. If he wants to burn it up, that's his business. It's God's. I love that illustration. Meantime, we are discouraged because we hold things in a clenched hand. And we need to open them up and say, Lord, I belong to you. And in serving three older congregations now, not that this one's an older congregation, I realize one way or another, and I could see this in younger too, but for some reason, God is very patient. He doesn't do this as much with the younger people. It doesn't seem as though. God 
does eventually get our attention and make us open our hands. John Piper shares, we must learn to fight despondency, that downcast spirit. The fight is a fight of faith and future grace. It's trusting in God's future grace. It is fought by preaching truth to ourselves about God and his promised future. Preaching truth to ourselves about God and his promised future. This is what the psalmist does in Psalm 42. The psalmist preaches to his troubled soul, right? He's talking to himself. Why are you cast down on my soul? Hope in God. He's talking to himself. He scolds himself and he argues with himself. And his main argument is future grace, hope in God, trust in what God will be for you in the future. A day of praise is coming. The presence of the Lord will be all the help you need. And he has promised to be with us forever. And I love this next part. Martin Lloyd-Jones believes this issue of preaching truth to ourselves about God's future grace is all important in overcoming spiritual depression. This truth, this, this issue of preaching truth to ourselves about God's future grace is all important in overcoming spiritual depression. It is in his helpful book, Spiritual Depression, Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? We are listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. He, consider, he continues, take those thoughts that come to you in the moment, the moment you wake up in the morning. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of, allow, instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why, you, why, are, why, why art thou cast down on my soul, he asks. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. The battle against despondency, discouragement, it applies to depression, which we'll get to next week. It's a battle to believe the promises of God. And that belief in God's future grace, his grace that comes in the future, comes by hearing the word. And so preaching to ourselves the word of God at the heart of the battle. I want to do something different today. I'm going to close in prayer here in a moment. And the praise team come, is going to come up. And then I'm going to pray again. And then I'll invite Steve to close the service in prayer. And this is why. I invite you to come forward to the altar. But I'm going to do it different, differently this time. During this closing song today, which is going to be because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And that is very true, right? Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Amen. During this closing song, if you need encouraged, I invite you to come forward to the altar. And you could sit on this front pew, push my stuff aside, you know, or the front, front pews. Steve will be up there, Lang will be up there. You can kneel, you can stand, you can kneel at the steps, whatever you want to do. Come forward to the altar. If you're one that needs encouraged, you're discouraged, come forward because we need to be a church where you feel comfortable to come forward and say, I need that prayer today. And, and there's no judgment. There better not be any judgment because every one of us need encouraged from time to time. And secondly, maybe you're having a good day. You don't need encouraged today. 
Will you come up to pray for those that come forward or come up to pray about those that you know throughout the week who need encouraged? Because if you aren't here needing encouraged, I guarantee you, we are gonna encounter today, tomorrow, the next day, somebody who needs encouraged. Maybe you don't even know it. It might be the waitress or waiter at lunch. You might go to lunch and you don't know what the other people are dealing with. So come forward and then I'm gonna give a prayer after this song that God would help those that come forward needing encouraged be encouraged and those that come forward um, uh, wanting, just, just help encourage others, that God would help us be encouragers this week. God would help us give courage to other people this week because we need the Lord's help to do that. So let me pray and then I'll invite the praise team to come up and then I'll invite you to come up as you feel led. Oh, Lord God, I just pray that you would guide and support us. Even right now, for those that are discouraged, oftentimes it's hard to make ourselves vulnerable and come forward. Help everyone in this congregation to feel comfortable to come forward to the altars. And to feel comfortable to come forward to the altars, signifying. Certainly they could be in their seats, and that's fine too. But signifying, I'm going to take an extra step to ask the Lord's help to be an encourager. And also, I'm going to come up to show that I'm available to be an encourager to other people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come forward as you feel led.